This morning, Pastor Elliot begins a verse-by-verse preaching series from the little New Testament book of Jude. This book is a strong warning against false teachers. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliot. Yes, we are starting a new study in the little but powerful book of Jude. And I want to start by asking you three questions. Who is a teacher? Second, what does a teacher do? And third, how many of us are teachers? The Hebrew verb for teach is in the causative stem. It's called the PL stem of Hebrew. And it's the causative stem of the other verb to learn. What this means is, to the Hebrew mind, a teacher is someone who causes his or her students to learn. It's that pragmatic. A teacher is anyone who causes their students to learn something. So that means that you are a teacher if and only if you cause someone else to learn something. And you are a teacher if and only if you cause someone else to learn anything. With that understanding of what it means to be a teacher, let's go back to my first three questions. Who is a teacher? Anyone who causes another person to learn. What does a teacher do? A teacher causes others to learn by their life or their words or their deeds or their example or their attitudes or their expectations or their creativity or their touch or their explanation or their encouragement or their application or their targeting of life change or their mastering of the minimum knowledge or making memorable or meeting needs or equipping or if any of these things are in our lives and these things are causing others to learn we are teachers I think a lot of us here tonight are teachers I think a lot of us can identify even one person that we cause to learn even one thing. Like, who do we cause to learn? Well, certainly our spouses, our kids, our grandkids, our Sunday school class perhaps, our Christian service brigade boys, or our pioneer girl girls, or our neighbors, or our friends, or our acquaintances, or our coworkers, or our bosses or our clerks with whom we deal as we transact business? You're a teacher, probably. This second last book of God's Word, Jude, we want to go through this little book, verse by verse, to get some real help on identifying what a false teacher is like and how we should stand against them. As has been mentioned, Jude is a one-chapter book of 25 verses which warns believers like you and me about false teachers. That is, it teaches us about people who cause other people to learn error. People who cause other people to learn lies. People who cause other people to learn heresies. By the way, there are three main passages in the New Testament which directly deal with false teachers. The first passage is this whole book of Jude. The second passage is 2 Peter chapter 2. And the third passage dealing with false teachers is 2 John verses 7 to 11. If you're taking notes, you want to read more about false teachers, Jude, 
2 Peter chapter 2 and 2 John verses 7 to 11. As we come to the sessions and the opportunities and the sermons through the book of Jude, I would very much like it if you would ask yourselves the same two questions. The first question I would like you to consistently ask as we go through the book of Jude is, am I being caused to learn by any false teacher? The second question I would like us to ask of every sermon in this series, am I causing anyone else to learn error, lies, or heresy? The first question, of course, examines whether I have been influenced in a negative way by false teachers. The second question asks, am I, perhaps unknowingly, serving as a false teacher to anyone else? As you all know, Beth and I have been tremendously blessed with two great children. Joanna is almost finishing up her time in Germany in the Bible school. She has one more week of classes, and then she'll be having a week to go to London, England, and a bit to Paris, and then she'll be flying home. We've missed her very much. Jonathan David, JD, is also a tremendous blessing. When he was about six months, no, I would say older, he, when he was older than that, one of our games with him as a toddler was to get eye contact with him as a little tyke and say, JD, ready, steady, go. Only when we played the game, he only let us to get to steady. <laughs> JD, ready, and he'd start grinning. Steady, he'd start laughing, and then he'd say, go. And he would go, and he's been going ever since. So our little game in our house was JD, ready, steady, go. I would submit to us tonight that that little game is a good overview outline of the book of Jude, except you wouldn't use JD, you would use your name. Bill, ready, steady, go. Janet, ready, steady, go. A great outline of the book of Jude. As has been mentioned, there are 25 verses in the book. They divide into four sections. Let me give them to you. Verses 1 to 4, the focus of our sermon tonight, I would just call your name. J.D., Janet, Bill, ready, steady, go. Your name. In other words, these verses are saying, heads up. They're saying, listen here. They're saying, I'm talking to you. They're saying, this applies so-and-so, they're saying, hello. The second section in the book of Jude is verses 5 to 16. And verses 5 to 16 is the ready. In other words, this is what false teachers are like. This is what's coming to false teachers. Beware of these people. They're wanted for false teaching. That's the ready section, verses 5 to 16. The third section, verses 17 to 23, is the steady section. Your name, ready, steady, in this steady section. In other words, uh, don't you be caused to learn any errors or lies. Don't you be caused to learn any heresies. Smell a rat. Be about God's business for you. Don't cave in. Your name, ready, steady, go. 
Go is the last two verses of the book, 24 and 25, a marvelous, marvelous benediction prayer. Bene means good, diction means word. A benediction is a scriptural good saying. One of the finest benedictions of all of the New Testament is verses 24 and 25, and it's under the heading of go. In other words, on to glory. In other words, I can't, but Jesus can. In other words, praise the power of God toward me. In other words, sounds like Buzz Lightyear, to eternity and beyond. Lord willing, we'll cover the first section, your name, verses 1 to 4 tonight. The next message in the series will be the ready sermon on verses 5 to 16. The third message in the series will be the steady section based on verses 17 to 23. And the fourth and last sermon on the book will be the go section, verses 24 and 25. So let's settle in together to verses 1 to 4, the your name verses of Jude. Let me read them with you again. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt it the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Did you notice that the Holy Spirit called the first readers of the book of Jude, but he still calls us as 21st century readers of the book of Jude, that the Holy Spirit calls us some pretty precious and endearing names. Three precious and endearing names to be exact. And these precious and endearing names for believers are, number one, those who are the called. Second wonderful name, beloved in God the Father. Third wonderful name, those who are kept for Jesus Christ. And now, today's ministry spotlight. It's great this morning to have Brother Anthon Wallace with us in the studio. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Brother Anthon is serving as our music director at Calvary Bible Church and doing an excellent job. We just are grateful to him each week. Well, thank you, Pastor yeah, Rob. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, let's chat a little bit about worship, uh, Brother. Mm -hmm. uh, wh what is worship? Worship is ascribing worth to God. It's the gathering up of all that we are and giving it back to God, all of the gifts that he has given to us and offering it back to him as the source of all that the blessings that we receive. It's the praise, the thanksgiving for the blessings of God. It's living a life that really is saying thank you to the one who created us, who redeemed us through the offering of his son, Jesus Christ on the cross, and is saying that 
all of who I am is going to be given back to God uh, for the many blessings that he has uh, poured out in my life and for the fact that he alone is God and he alone is worthy of uh, being worshipped, adored, praised, blessed, honored, respected, obeyed, and the list goes on and on. Yes, amen. <laughs> I totally agree. What is music's part in worship? That's uh, something that in my mind needs to really be carefully addressed in the church because we sometimes can confuse music with worship and worship with music. And they're, they're two totally separate things. Music can aid in worship, but music in and of itself is not worship. Uh, we, we use this gift, again, uh, from our Heavenly Father, this gift from Him, and we convey thoughts, we convey truths about who God has revealed Himself to be in creation, in scripture, and we're taking this art form and we're using it to offer glory to God. I love that. So it's, we can't really say uh, of the music segment of a, of a worship service, now is our time to worship. Exactly. It's just a part of it. And many Christians, we do connect I think best with God through this art form because that's the way he has wired us while other believers may not connect with God, uh, you know, through music primarily. And that's okay. You, you know, we're all made differently. Some people would connect better with God by just opening the scriptures and reading it or hearing it. Some would connect better with them through prayer or through communion. Um, that, that's all okay, you know, through giving. Some, yes. some, the best part of a service for some believers is the offering time. Yes. You know, and... Um, uh, we, we have to not uh, confuse, you know, music with worship and worship with music, but we can worship God through music. Excellent. Um, does Calvary Bible Church have a philosophy of worship or music? Yes, our philosophy of music and worship is that we follow what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, being filled with the Spirit, speaking with one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we have a blended form of worship when it comes to music in, in the local church that takes the best of, and you can't get any better than the Psalms because that's the inspired you know word of God, um, the ancient hymn book that God has preserved for us in scripture. And so we, we like to always honor God by reading these uh, inspired texts in our worship and uh, using that as uh, as much as possible as the the springboard if you if you may um, into our, our our singing songs and, and playing songs but then there are also hymns and um, we know that you know hymns they they paint a, a, a wider portrait of who God is um, and um, it's a rich tradition handed down to the church um, and there are, uh, you know, um, spiritual songs, what we would perhaps call contemporary worship songs today, the new songs that the Spirit of God continues to, to birth uh, through, through men and women whom he has uh, gifted um, with uh, the uh, talents and abilities to, to write songs and compose songs. So we bring the best of scripture, psalms, hymns, the 
you know, the faith that was handed down to us uh, through men and women like Charles Wesley and Fanny Crosby and so forth. Um, and they, they paint a very great portrait of who God is and his work um, in the world uh, and especially his, his, his work um, through Jesus Christ. And then the new sp um, scriptural songs, the spiritual songs that uh, today help us to appreciate God um, through more than expressions, uh, if you if you may, of, of of music today, but still the truth conveyed in there would help uh, believers to still connect with God in worship. Thank you. I appreciate you helping us understand those things. Um, what are some of the opportunities that are here at our church for born again believer musicians to plug into? Well, we have a choir. Um, a multi-generational choir. Uh, we start right at um, grade seven level, um, right on up to Grammy and Grandpa, <laughs> all serving together. Um, and we have a, a praise teams, um, and we have special music, soloists and duets and so forth. Of course, musicians uh, play a great role as well. And so there are opportunities each week for persons to plug in to the music ministry, either as an instrumentalist and or a vocalist. Yes, we're very blessed. God has given us um, people who walk with him that have great talent when it comes to music and marvel at that every Sunday, really. What qualifies a musician to serve Christ within the Calvary Bible Church family or anywhere else? Yes, the two words that I like to think of is, the first one is art. Do you have the skill? Mm -hmm. And the second word I like to think of is heart. Are you indeed a person whose life has been surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ? And uh, once you have the skill, the ability, and you have the testimony of being a believer in Jesus Christ, we have a place uh, for you to serve uh, in, in the music ministry at Calvary Bible Church, one who is surrendered to the Lord and one who has the skill. Those are the two qualifications. That is a wonderful combination when God uh, endows both. It truly is. <laughs> This is great to visit. Uh, Brother Anthon, what else might you like to say or feel you should say to our listeners this morning? Well, as a music minister in the local church, I think that we need to take the, our responsibility very seriously when it comes to leading God's people in worship. Uh, it reminds me of the... Uh, psalm where it, it showed the procession of the singers and the musicians going into the temple. And, you know, God has given those of us endowed with the gift of music the privilege of leading others uh, into his presence. Yes. Through praise and thanksgiving. And and we we need to ensure that our lives are consecrated, set apart, holy for, for the Lord and for him to use us. Uh, it's very disheartening uh, to even think of persons who would have such a leading role 
uh, publicly, but privately, you know, our lives can can contradict, you know, what we're saying publicly, or or even you know to uh, have individuals who um, are involved in music ministry and it's such a high profile kind of ministry, but yet their testimony on the job or elsewhere in public yes. just contradicts what, what is being shared on stage through mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And so it, what I would like to convey strongly is that we who are given this, this privilege of ministering to the Lord and to his people, that our lives are uh, also lined up with scripture and not just make this a performance-based uh, ministry, but one that is uh, really um, demonstrating the the fact that we do love the Lord Jesus Christ and we do love his people and our lives line up with the truths of scripture. What a wonderful ambition and uh, what a wonderful priority to have as a servant leader in the area of music in our local church. Uh, We love you and your family, and we thank you so much for your faithful service to the King of Kings. Thank you, Pastor Robin. God bless you and your ministry as well. Wonderful. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious and exalted God, we thank and praise you for the gift of opportunity to worship you and to worship you in our individual hearts, the altars of our individual hearts and our families' altars as well each day. But then, Lord, the incredible privilege of coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ each Lord's Day to corporately uh, give us the opportunity to serve you through worship and music. And Lord, we just pray that the ministries of this local church that are Uh, saturated in in music, would be true to your word, would be authentic in testimony and daily lifestyle, and would point us to your excellencies, your wonders, your perfections. Lord, uh, thank you for what you are doing uh, by the way of worship at Calvary Bible Church. Please bless uh, Brother Anthon Wallace and all of those with whom he serves to the end that much will be made of Jesus through our worship and music. And we do pray in Jesus' precious name together. Amen. 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 It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, Here is Pastor Robert Elliott. I have a question that comes to us from Mark. Mark 16, 16 reads, Jesus' words, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And so the question is, do you have to be water baptized 
in order to be saved? A fancier way of asking the same question is this. Is baptismal regeneration taught in Mark 16, verse 16? Here's the answer. The words of Jesus, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, may lead someone to think that baptism is necessary for salvation. However, the very next phrase reveals clearly that this is not the case. Jesus goes on to say in the same sentence virtually, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. The only basis for condemnation is a refusal to believe. There is no condemnation for failure to be baptized. It may be concluded then that the only basis for salvation is belief in Christ, not belief and baptism. While baptism does not save, that is not to say that baptism is unimportant. The New Testament knows of no true believer that was not baptized in water. Those who believed were identified with Christ and his local body of believers by water baptism. See Acts 2 verse 41, Acts 8 verses 36 to 38, Acts 16, 31 through 33. So whereas water baptism does not save, we could say that water baptism publicly announces that a person has already been saved. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.